welcome to the Encourage Project. I'm Amy Fairchild, and I am so thrilled that you're here. You know, today's episode is actually a little different. We are bringing you my guest appearance on the Key Nutrition Podcast with my good buddy, Brad Jensen. And the interview was so much fun, and I think there's a lot of great stuff in it that we wanted to give everyone in the Encourage Project community an opportunity to hear it. So Brad and I talked about things like fear, we talked about purpose, we talked about loving the journey while versus loving when. I think that was really kind of fun and interesting to talk about. And it was just an overall really feel-good conversation. And like I said, we wanted to share the goodness. So when you get finished with today's episode, there's an action I'd like you to consider. When you finish and you hit stop, take a moment to decide what you can do today in the next hour, in the next two hours, by the end of the day, to demonstrate kindness to someone. And then in reflection, you know, the ahas, the oh no's, and the yippies. (laughs) There were quite a few in this episode for me. Think about what is it that you are withholding from yourself for when you accomplish your goal? And how can you flip that script to making it a situation where whatever it is you're withholding, you can give yourself while you're on the journey to your goal. So I've given enough away so far. When you're finished as well, you know, join the conversation, continue the conversation. Let's share this with the community. And I know that some podcast platforms don't let you leave a review. So find me on Instagram at the underscore encourage underscore project and make a post. Tag me in it. Tell me what you think of the episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. And I'd love to see you on Instagram. You can also get a hold of us on LinkedIn at Amy A. Fairchild PMP and Facebook. And as always, you can send an email to hello at theencourageproject.com. Be safe, be well, and take care, friends, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Key Nutrition Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything food, fitness, and mindset. In this episode, I was joined by my friend, Amy Fairchild. She runs a company called The Encourage Project. Uh, It's also a podcast, The Encourage Project. Uh, But I was actually a guest on her podcast probably a couple months ago. It was one of my favorite interviews I've done today, and I've done probably 60, 50, 70 of them. I don't know. I'm definitely not keeping track. Um, Because the way Amy, not only her dialogue with me, The way she asked questions, her insight, really, really, really enjoyed the interview enough that I I had this gut intuition to just ask her on my show. So here she is. Uh, The Encourage Project is an awesome mission to help looking at, at the human project like you would this business project, right? Where you have blueprints and goals and risk management. And it's really cool because we put so much time in these other things. But when we look at the human project, which is you man, we fall short. So she really helps uh, a lot of her clients with that. And her message was so good today on loving yourself while you're going through whatever, not when, whether that's weight loss, whether that's whatever, right? Marriage, you name it. And we talked a lot about habit building. We talked about her transition, uh, transformation and losing a hundred pounds. And for the good majority of that way, keeping it off for two decades, you know, what she learned during that process. And uh, 
and just the message of trying to uplift others to be kind is such an, a nice message to get in today's climate of just be kind. Like kindness will always be ROI positive. And Amy is a classic example of that. Just a, a beaming light of joy and kindness. And you feel it from her. You'll feel it in this podcast. Um, mean the world to me guys, if you guys gave her a follow on Instagram, um, you know, she's one that you will definitely, when you see it in your feed, you'll just smile because she tries to encourage and uplift others. That's her mission in life. And what a beautiful mission. So it was a beautiful message and, and kindness will always win. Never forget that. So without further ado, let's in the show with Amy Fairchild. This is Brad Jensen and you listen to the Key Nutrition Podcast. Amy, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for asking me. I, yeah. Um, so Amy, like I said in the intro, um, has a really cool thing called the Encourage Project, which I want to talk about. You also have a, you just like casually slipped it in there when I was on your podcast that you've lost over a hundred pounds and maintained it. Like, I mean, you just <laughs> said, you said it like, you know, I got, I got my nails done. I was like, wait, what? I get, that's not. It's not incredibly common. And so um, I was blessed to be a guest on Amy's show and um, just overall was incredibly impressed with not only just the way you interviewed me, but some of the questions you asked. And I'm like, I think she would be a great guest. So here we are. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I yeah. love getting to know people and finding out about their stories. Michelle was bummed. She wanted to be here because she's like, she's my favorite. I got to, but she couldn't make Aww. it, but it's okay. We don't like Michelle and the guest ones in. I'm just kidding. We actually actually do. <laughs> and she brings a good perspective. So, um, well, I guess, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, about you. Give kind of a Cliff Notes version of who is Amy. Sure. Um, I am Amy Fairchild and I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, USA, the South. And my accent will appear occasionally if I get nervous. So if you, <laughs> if you hear my accent, you know that Brad has asked a question that makes me a little uncomfortable. We're just going to say that. But the Encourage Project really is a culmination of a purpose that showed up in my life. And, and I actually calculated the days this morning, 12,147 days ago. And it is a combination of my life's purpose and work that I've done throughout my career. And it's really all about discovering the shine in people and encouraging them to greatness. And that sounds kind of woo woo and I get it, but there are two sides to that. The, there is the facilitating the discovery of purpose and meaning and success, and then providing tools and guidance and support in execution. So I have a background of you know more than 20 years of global program management experience and, and the things that companies do to be successful, we as individuals don't often get to take advantage of. And so I take world-class project management and apply it to things like losing weight or buying a home or things that no one ever really teaches us how to do, but we're expected to know how to do. And then add into that a component of well, what is it that you love and what is your purpose on this earth? Because I'm one of those folks who believes that every single one of us is designed to contribute to humanity in a meaningful way. 
And when we can align that purpose with the things that we do, it makes life that much easier. And so um, that's where the Encourage Project comes from. It's it's coaching with, with purpose and success in mind, and it's a podcast, and it's practical project management for doing stuff no one ever teaches us. Um, right. Here in Fayetteville, I'm from here originally, but I grew up in the military, and I live in my little house, and I have my little cat, and I have things that I do, and I'm just a normal girl from, from the South. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So I think that's really cool. I mean, it's, it's funny. We, you know, the, when we're looking at, you know, you look at even just the, uh, you know, the project development of, let's say like a development, uh, like a, like a, like an apartment complex or you know, there's all these hands-on working and there's meetings and there's all this and there's, there's graphs and there's, there's sketches and, and it's like when it comes to the human project, it's like, well, just figure out this human thing and go along and try to be happy and like do make some money. Go ahead. You know, and we wonder mm -hmm. why we're so lost. We, we don't put the like what I hear you saying is framing it to like put the same kind of attention like and, and like that into the human project, which is you. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and things like, you know, in project management, we call it risk. It's looking at possible outcomes and preparing for possible outcomes. Well, in human projects or in day-to-day -day life, that's called worry. So I teach people how to manage worry as an example with project management principles, or I teach people how to figure out to get from point A to point B, which in project management, we call that a gap analysis, but it's just figuring out where you are and where you want to be and then decomposing that into steps along the way. Yes. So talk to us about you losing a hundred pounds real quick. Not that that, that's actually not why I want you on the podcast. I just, that was, uh, that's really cool. I, I've stated on here. Thank you. I should have had, you know, after, you know, the th thousands of clients over the last, you know, uh, how many years. Um, and there's a lot I should have had, should, I should, so I hate the word should, but there's a lot that could have lost a hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. And very few actually have, mm -hmm. and even fewer than that actually years later have sustained it off. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little about that. Kind of what was that sure. turning point and like, where'd you get to in your life? And Sure. Um, and to be fair, just the COVID disclaimer is I've gained back about 20 in the last year and, and I'm okay with that. And we'll talk about that too, if you want, yeah. but the whole thing started was, I mean, that's still um, pretty, that you're still looking like an 80% ratio. That's pretty good. You yeah. know, I mean, for, for 20 years, almost 20 years of me, which is crazy. It, so. that, that's, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, I mean, some people do the lose a hundred. I mean, I've had a guy on here, uh, Noah King or a good friend of mine, but I mean, he lost and gained a hundred pounds three times before he finally wow. kept it off. Wow. That's like destructive yeah. behavior in the middle there. That's so that weight yes. cycling is so hard. Not, I mean, physically, but mentally too. Oh, so kind of talk to us about mm -hmm. what happened with your journey well, there. And, and I guess people, here's what's interesting. People think that, that fat people or people who are overweight simply lack self-control. Mm. And that's just not the case. Most people who have weight challenges are dealing with emotional and experiential things that they don't really quite have the tools to deal with in other ways besides food. And that's really where, where I got it. I mean, <clears throat> mine came from, um, you know, I'd always been a healthy looking girl. I'm five, nine. I'm never going to be 120 pounds. It's just not how I'm built. 
and I, I was a swimmer and I, I played sports and I was a musician and all kinds of things. And, um, my brother 11 days before my 20th birthday committed suicide. And I was put into a position where I was taking care of everyone. And I didn't have the tools to ask for help for myself. And I didn't have the tools to set boundaries and all those kinds of things. And so I, I ate feelings, to be quite frank, and gained an awful lot of weight. And there came a point a few years after that, probably about 10 years after that, where I was just like, okay, this is, this is enough. And so I decided that I was going to lose a few pounds and a few pounds turned into a few more and turned into a few more. And eventually it became a hundred. And that has pretty much been maintained for, like I said, almost 20 years. So yeah. And I make it sound really simple, but (laughs) you did make this sound a little simple. (laughs) It's not that simple though. There's a lot of work that goes into it and it's not just counting calories and being in a deficit and drinking water and, and getting activity. It's about, for me, um, it is entirely about mindset. It is about things like it's not when it's while, meaning I'm going to be happy when I lose a hundred pounds. No, I'm happy while I lose a hundred pounds. I'm happy while I weigh my food and measure my food. I'm happy while I get outside and move my ass, right? And so changing that mindset from when to while was a huge one for me, you know, and I am convinced that that I am unable to achieve great things without the foundation of self-love. And when I discovered my value and what I had to offer and the gifts that I bring to this lifetime, I couldn't help but go, okay, great. Let's do this. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's simple, but it is very possible. And it can only be successful to me through that massive mind shift. How long did it take you to lose the hundred pounds? Oh gosh. Um, probably two and a half years. Thank you for saying that. Like it was about two and a half years. I dropped like 25 really fast. Yeah. But but it 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 was a really crappy way to start. I mean, it was good to lose the weight, but what I was doing was not healthy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I yeah, two and a half years. And that that's a, that's a realistic time. I mean, to me, that's someone who was taking the time to, to, to especially by the last little bit, just being patient about it. And, and part of that patience for me, what I see my clients, the ones who can be patients are, really evolving mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, in these other areas and beginning to love themselves. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they can do that, what can they deploy more patience? Cause they should understand this is the journey. Mm-hmm. The ones who yeah. lack the patience are the ones who keep thinking when, right. Well, I, I wonder when people lack patience, my first question is, what are you afraid of? Ooh, that was good. Right. So for me, when I, started off fast, I was, I was afraid that if I didn't lose the weight, I would lose opportunity. And at that time I was driven by, you know, wanting, wanting to date and guys to like me, you know, I was in my late twenties and that was the thing I was, I don't know where I was living. I've lived all over the country, but anyway, it was, that was my thing. I want guys to like me and think I'm beautiful. Well, here's, here's newsflash. 
when I finally started liking me, it didn't matter what I weighed. Guys came out of the woodwork and they're like, man, you're amazing. You're beautiful and you're fun and all the things. But it was making those choices early um, out of fear that got me off to a rocky start. And then when I became unafraid, things got a little bit easier. Hmm. Hmm. That's really good. What are you afraid of? Oh, just dropped mm-hmm. it. That was good. I've never heard a friend <laughs> like that. That's so true, right? Yeah. yeah. Really, really like that. Um, well, that's uh you know, that's that's amazing. Congratulations, first off, on on losing that weight and for you know, the better part of uh you know, two decades keeping it off within a reasonable amount. Like that's uh mm-hmm. I think gaining some weight over uh, COVID is not the end of the world. And, you know, and yeah. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have said it's not the end of the world a few years ago, quite honestly, that, that change having gained some weight over the last year would have devastated me a few years ago. And what has changed in my mindset since then is having developed grace for myself having developed confidence in what I do and what I'm offering others and how I'm living my life and my purpose. And also just recognizing that stuff changes, change is okay. It's, it's how I show up every day and how I greet that change that really determines whether or not it's going to be a big deal, you know? Yeah. I completely agree. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because I talk about all these things like, like you just said, the, um, you know, move, get off your ass and move, you know, drink water, calorie deficit, you know, tracking calories, tracking macros. These are the tactics that I think are, are some of the most effective to get someone to facilitate change in their weight. Mm-hmm. But tactics are shit without the, without, without the, uh, actual like umph behind it. And the umph comes from like, those tactics only work if you're working. And if you're really not working the second, the, like you don't see the scale respond appropriately or whatever you give up. I think mm-hmm. about when I got, you know, I kept trying to get sober over and over and they told me basically the same things. Now I'm not saying going to meet eight, a meetings or whatever is the only way to get sober, but, um, it's what worked for me in the long run. And what they told me was, Hey, so stop using drugs. That that would be your first thing. And then you need to get active in recovery. And like, there's great recovery meetings you're going to go to. You're going to find this thing called the sponsor, which is like a free coach. And he's going to take you through this. Like I knew all the tactics to do that seemed to work for other people. It's like the calorie deficit, the movement, the steps, the water, like it all works, but I wasn't working. And then tell yes. like I could do the deeper emotional and spiritual work. Then all of a sudden I could start applying these things like, Oh, like don't use drugs one day at a time. That's a great concept. I knew it worked, but my, my head wasn't working for me. It was just my own worst enemy. And so what did you kind of, uh, is some of the encourage project, was it kind of like, did some of that kind of transformation start to like spurn this idea? Yes. So when my brother died, I decided the day that he died, that every single day for the rest of my life. Every single day for 12,147 days now, I would edify three people sincerely, wholeheartedly, and joyfully. And with the exception for days when I was sick and didn't see another human being, (laughs) I have achieved that goal every single day. 
And so for me, it's about how do I see the greatness in people when they don't perhaps see it in themselves? Hmm. And how do I teach people to remind themselves of their own greatness after they've rediscovered it? Because let me be very clear in my view, each of us is whole and worthy and complete the day we are born. And we spend our entire lives unlearning things that we're taught to remember that we are whole and worthy and complete. And sometimes we need a coach or a facilitator to help us rediscover that about ourselves. And that is what the Encourage Project is all about. It's taking my my three people a day and hopefully multiplying it by millions eventually. I mean, if, if I could have my wish, I would I would edify a million people face-to-face in my lifetime. What do you mean by edify for those who might not know? Edify is building up and it's sincere. It's, it's saying things like, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, I worked for a really, really big bank in Wilmington, Delaware in the late nineties, big fancy. We had a cafeteria, we had a concierge, we had all the things, right? And I would go to lunch every day into this fancy cafeteria. And there was a gentleman who worked the grill and I would get grilled veggies and chicken or something almost every single day. And his name was Mr. A. I'm going to save his name because I don't know if he would give me permission to talk about it. <laughs> so, so every day I would, I would talk to Mr. A and, and I would tell him that I appreciated him and thanks for making my lunch. And so when I left the bank to take another job, I went by to see him on my last day. And he said, you're leaving? I'm like, well, yes, I, I got a new job. I'm moving to Florida. And he goes, I don't like that. And I said, well, I'm sorry. And he got a big tear in his eye. And I just looked at him and he said, you know, he said, in all the years I've worked here, you are the only person who has ever called me by my name. Wow. And he goes, every day I've looked forward to seeing you because you make me feel seen. And so that is, is, is why the Encourage Project exists. You know, people say all kinds of things like love is the best word and whatever, but I am convinced that the greatest sounding word to a person's ear is the sound of their name and just saying someone's name. I drive my friends crazy. Every time we go out to a restaurant, I always ask the server's name or I always ask the valet's name or whatever. Like, why do you do that? I'm like, because they're a person and I promise you, if I use their name, they will light up and do a much better job than they would have otherwise. It's not for selfish getting served better. It's for them taking pride in what they do. And so, yeah, that's edifying. That's acknowledging wow. people for who they are, seeing them and celebrating them. That's a really moving story. You got me a little tear. That's uh, it's so true. <laughs> you know, I think we don't realize some people just don't feel seen, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you just validated my, you know, I've posted about it before, but one of my commitments is I try to give, uh, I try to give one genuine compliment a day and, uh, you know, and some days I'm much better than one, Sure. but it was crazy when I made this commitment to myself and I'd heard it somewhere on a podcast a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And I realized in that moment, how little I thought to actually genuinely compliment, whether it's strangers, whether it's people mm-hmm like Mr. A, like there's people that I see all the time, yeah, you know, or people at the gym that I've noticed had lost some weight. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, for sure. Are we? I give one compliment a day already. And I realized I do not. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't think it, but I just would never say it. And right. I was really disappointed in myself at first, but it's been one of the more gratifying things is looking for opportunities to like, wow, hey, I'm totally random here, man. But I told this guy the other day when he's getting a drink at the waterfront, I said, you look great. You've lost some weight, haven't you? Now, I don't do that with females because it gets taken yeah. the wrong way at the gym sometimes. <laughs> sure. I want to be like, no, I'm a professional. Don't worry. <laughs> Professional what? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, professional stalker. <laughs> um, yeah. But man, his face lit up and he was like, thank you, man. I've been working so hard. No one's ever really said anything. And I'm See? like, yeah. And so I love that you, um, man, that's the three different, three people every day, huh? Every day. And and here's the thing. You, you may not think that you have an impact and I promise you do. And here's how I know. So when I went to my high school reunion, I think it was in 2016, I went to my high school reunion, hadn't seen any of these people since high school, not one. And I'm standing at the bar and I'm kind of looking around at all these people and some people look exactly the same and it was just weird and whatever. And this guy walks up to me, he says, Amy Fairchild. And I knew who he was and I said, hi. He said, I have been looking for you for years. I said, um, I'm not sure whether I'm excited about that or a little bit scared. <laughs> and he said, well, I've been meaning to thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, you don't remember this, I'm sure. But when we were in English class our senior year, there was a conversation about homosexuality in the classroom. And you stood up and you said, I have friends who are gay and I love my friends no matter who they are, or how they show up. And I will always support them in what they choose to do. And I actually remembered that day because there are a lot of kids who didn't think the way that I did. And he said to me, he goes, you know, that's when I knew. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, because you saw me, he goes, I knew that it would be safe for me to come out of the closet. And he said, it was about a year and a half later in college. And I looked for you and looked for you and I couldn't find you, but you gave me hope that when I was ready, there would be more people like you who would support me. Oh, wow. So the whole thing about that is you you just don't know. You don't know. I mean, I'll give you one more story and then I'll be done with this. I love this Because I get so excited about it. (laughs) I was dating this guy. I was living in Philadelphia and we went out and we went to one of these old drive-through burger places where for whatever reason, the, the window was on the passenger side and it was summertime. And he had a car that had a real light interior and I had on white shorts and a t-shirt and the gal who reached in to hand me a Coke, she handed it to me by the lid. And as she handed it to me, the car, it opened up and went all over me, went all over the inside of the car, just was a mess, right? She's mortified. He's freaking out, yelling at me. Gosh, I can't believe she's so stupid, blah, 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 blah. And she's about to cry. And I said, we're good. We're good. Give me some napkins. We're all good. You're fine. She's like, oh, please let me buy you lunch. I'm like, no, it's fine. It was a mistake. Just can I have a new Coke? <laughs> That's all I want a new Coke. And so she gives me the Coke and we're driving off. And he's like yelling at me. I can't believe, I can't believe you didn't yell at her, blah, blah, blah. And I said, pull the car over. He's like, what? I said, did it ever occur to you that because I was kind to her because she made an honest mistake, she's going to have a good day at work today. 
And because she has a good day at work, she's going to go home and not yell at her kids. And because she doesn't yell at her kids tonight, they're going to get a good night's sleep. And because they get a good night's sleep, they're going to get up in the morning and do well in school. And because they do well in school, they're probably going to be my doctor someday. All because I didn't yell at someone over making an honest mistake. Yeah. And it's the power of the smallest, kindest, most sincere gesture that we may never know. But I absolutely believe in sowing those seeds of goodness because I don't know. I may get to a million and not realize I have. Right. Yeah. But I sure would like to see a million. It's the ripple effect that we always underestimate of, of how yes. far it can reach, you know, one yes. little one little comment here or one little, you know, kind action here. We immense. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's some things people throughout the years that I might not ever see again strangers or people like have done for me that I will always remember, you yeah. know, or little yeah. gestures or little things, the smallest things you never know. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, example, when, when I went to jail for the last time, that cop chatted with me, he was, he asked mm -hmm. me about my family, man, how'd you get into this? You don't look like you belong out here. What's going on? And, you know, I can't say that that was the reason why I got in state sober this time. But I look back and it was a catalyst. Like there was a moment of hope mm -hmm. when I got booked into that jail compared to, and I don't blame these cops. I mean, they're picking up junkies, taking them to jail and, you know, right. and we're freaking out and we don't want to go and please don't take me. And they, you know, some of them weren't the kindest and I can't even yeah. say I fault them, but that one man, I can definitely, I'll, I'll always remember that. Always remember that smallest little five minutes he took with me. He didn't mm -hmm. have to take that five minutes. It's amazing. I always talk about hold a door or hold your tongue. Those are the two simplest things we could ever do for another human being. Yep. Is hold a door or hold your tongue when someone makes a mistake, when someone mistreats you or walks in front of you or bumps into you or whatever. Just hold your tongue one time. It was, you know? it was ingrained in me at a young age to hold the doors. And yeah. I was, I was yelled at one time and I said that <sighs> I, 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 my mom said, Hey, you can't be just focused on yourself. Yep. I want you just to think when you open the door, look who's coming in and hold it for him. And I remember thinking as a 13 year old, it's holding a door mom. And, <laughs> yep. but I, I've been in that guy who gets stuck holding the door and you're just like, well, and there's more and more people. Hey, just come on in, just come on in. But it's because yeah. it's ingrained to me, just those small, simple gestures, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, I love them. I love all of that. I think that, um, you know, I, this last year and some change has exposed a lot of divisiveness in this country. And like at the end of the day, when I zoom out, I'm like, I still, I still think there's way more. I think that there's far more kind people in this world than there's not like, yes, I think I have a different view. I think it's exposed a lot of different things in the, in this country. And, but I still don't believe we're as device uh, as, as divided as maybe the media wants to make it because I still think at the end of the day, I think most people are kind hearted and good and want the best and don't care what your political views are. Yeah. And, and I got wrapped up in like all of that this last year where I'm just like such a dark world. I can't believe I bring a kid into this. And I was like, but I don't think it really is. I think at the end of the day, people are mm -hmm. inherently good. And I want to believe that. And not yeah. everyone, 
but I think that there's more good than there isn't. But that's what I love about your message is reminding us to be the one thing that no matter what we can do on a daily basis, which is, is kind Mm -hmm. and uplift others because that's how, then guess what? It's this very cool, selfish dichotomy because then you feel better, right? It's true. It's an investment in your own well-being. I would love to know the science behind it because someone has had to have studied it. You know, what great body hormones are released when you're kind, whether it's oxytocin or whatever it is. I don't know all those words, but I'd love to know what science says about that. Because, you know, if you, if you talk about losing weight or doing anything hard that takes a lot of time, when you can create opportunities to give yourself a, a little lift, why not? And that's an easy one that costs nothing and has nothing to do with losing weight or whatever it is you're doing. And you can do it anywhere with anyone. That sounded kind of creepy, but anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's totally true. It, it, it's, you know, and you're, um, I was looking over your Instagram and just, you know, it's, uh, you definitely bring, bring a light, you know, it's, uh, thank you. You know, and you said something on there. Let me find, hold on. You said I had this marked down. Of course I don't take the best notes. Um, oh, inspiration ignites habit endures. What did you mean by that? Yes. Oh, inspiration is that thing that gets us excited to do something. You know, how many times have you been so excited to, I don't know, do a race or go to a movie or learn to play an instrument. And sometime between the time that you got that inspiration or that nudge or that feel good, oh my gosh, I want to do this. Sometime between that time and the time that it came to actually do it, it might've fizzled out. Or maybe you took one lesson and it fizzled out. And I think, well, I don't think I know that that habit is what helps us stick with things for the long haul. And, and further, habit stacking is what really makes it stick. People call it anchoring, but habit stacking, anchoring, whatever you choose to call it, are the things that endure your inspiration. Just like my habit of edifying three people every day. I mean, for the first several years, I think, well, it may not have been that long, but it was a very conscious thing. I, I did it every single day and I thought about it and I, I looked at people. And now it is so completely ingrained in who I am who knows how many people I have the, the fortune, the good fortune of, of supporting every day. I don't know, but it's because it was a habit and that inspiration has now lived, like I said, more than 12,000 days. And that's, I believe that's how any inspiration that's truly worthwhile um, persists is through habit. Yeah. So how, how does one start to build those habits? Oh gosh. You know, um, for me, uh, it is about, identifying where I am and where I want to be, identifying the steps that are required and the frequency of those steps, because they're, th- they're daily habits, they're weekly habits, monthly habits, et cetera, right? right? I have found that when I am more frequent in building a habit, i.e. daily, it sticks and it, and it, and it builds faster for me. Um, but knowing exactly what the habit is you want to do and doing it whether you feel like it or not, right? Emotion is fleeting. And and emotions will make us excited one day and feel like we don't want to do it the next. Emotion is fleeting. And so holding integrity with myself means that I committed to doing this thing every day. 
And, and once I committed, the commitment turns into a habit. The habit turns into a lifelong part of who I am. Yep. So did, does that answer your question though? Yeah. I think, did I think it, yeah. Yeah. I've talked a lot about habits and I've had specific guests that like are, you know, that's what they really like specialize in. And, and, uh, there's kind of an underlying theme of first off figuring out like, why, why do you want to build this habit? Figure out these ever leverage points. Like, where do you want to be? And then the consistency and the, the, then reverse engineering those small little things to, you know, build habits. But, um, no, that was great. It's such a, such a, hard question to answer because really the answer is probably at, at some variable level, it depends for each individual. Sure. Is it habits it with food? Is it habits with your kids? Is it, you know, the way you show up right. or, and so you had mentioned something before we started the podcast, but the podcast me and Michelle did about controlling the controllables. Um, and you had, you had mentioned something to me that I really liked. I don't know if to share with our listeners. We, we were talking off air. Mm -hmm. It was, um, when I listened to that episode, there's a, a flip side of that coin and it is what I call, um, measuring and managing measures. You, you cannot manage what you don't measure. Mm. Um, and that's, that's true in business. That's true in everything, but that's where I, that's where I learned it was in business. You know, um, you can't manage your profit if you're not consistently measuring what you're spending and, and what you're earning. Right. And with weight loss, you cannot manage the rate at what, well, you can't really manage the rate at which you lose. Let's be clear. Your body does what it does, but you can't manage progress if you don't measure it. If I don't measure either weekly or monthly or whatever, it feels good for me, how much I weigh, then how can I possibly adjust? If I don't measure and weigh my food and see how much protein I've recently gotten really dialed in on macros and it's been kind of cool for me for a lot of reasons, but anyway, um, if I don't measure it, how do I possibly know if what I'm eating is making me feel good? Right. So you can't manage what you don't measure. So even when I, yeah. And so when it comes to money too, right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, how you want to make more money? Well, how much money are you making now? Not sure. So how much more do you want to make more than I'm currently making? Well, how much are you making? I don't know. Yeah. You know, Yeah. but I like that a lot. You, you can't, you, so to be able to measure like some kind of progress in these areas or some kind of at least baseline of where you're at. Mm -hmm. I really liked that saying a lot. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So I think what people get stuck with is, oh, I don't want to measure or it's too much trouble. And the question I would have, and, and I asked this before is what are you afraid of? You know, what are, what, are, what will happen if you don't? right? What will happen if you don't measure and manage your calorie intake, or if you don't measure and manage your spending, or you don't measure and manage the activities that you're doing to build a business? If you, if you think that it takes a lot to do those things, think about the impact to your life if you don't. And oftentimes we're unwilling to look at the downside consequences of not doing things, right? And I'm not saying that, that people should get scared into doing stuff, but, but what is it that you're afraid of? I know for a long time, I, I didn't want to look at the scale and I didn't want to measure my food because I was afraid that if I did that, I would get obsessed. Well, that whatever. And I was afraid that if I didn't make progress, it meant I was a failure. Yes. And so when I, when I got over myself, so to speak, and I'm not, I'm not making lightly of that, that took a lot of hard work. When I got to a place where 
my worth is not determined by the number on the scale. My worth is not determined by the number of grams of protein I eat or don't eat. It then became easier to manage because I wasn't afraid of it anymore. I'm not afraid to look at, holy crap, I've only had 62 grams of protein today and I'm supposed to have 112. You know, I'm not afraid of that anymore because that's not where I get my worth. But the whole point of that is you can't manage what you don't measure. And if you don't measure, you might as well not do it. In my view, that might be harsh, but that's how I feel. Yeah. No, uh, it's so true. It's, I can't tell you how many clients I have where, you know, they, they don't want to, well, they won't track a day and I'll say, oh, what happened that day? And listen, I don't, I don't think that everyone should be obsessed with tracking every, sometimes like there's reasons where I'm like, okay, cool. No big deal. But you got back on it. But a lot of times I figure out it's because they couldn't be perfect. So mm-hmm. a better way I could phrase it, well, what are you afraid of? Yeah. Well, I'm afraid that if I'm not perfect, well, what does that mean then? Yes. That you're a failure if you're not perfect? Yes. That's a rough life to live. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, it's just not the end of the world if your numbers aren't spot on one day. Trust me, no one got thin from eating one salad and nobody got fat from eating one donut. It's just like right. one day is not going to... And so it's, what are you afraid of? Right. And it's that fear of, and that's to me, what the kind of the perfectionist mindset is, is this perpetual fear of getting it wrong all the time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if I can't get it right, yeah. I won't do it at all. Right. So do you deal with and the, And what meaning you attach to it? What hmm. meaning do you attach to getting it right? And what meaning do you attach to getting it wrong? So are you, more, yeah. are you more likable? Are you more attractive? Are you more successful if you get it right? And you're a big fat loser, no pun intended, if you get it wrong. And so what meanings Which are do both we attach made up stories, to? right? Exactly. It's, it's meaning that I am attaching to those things. And so when, when as myself as an example, when I was able to separate my meaning about myself, how I feel about myself from what I measured, it makes, it makes things a lot easier. Now, is it easy every day to look at my Fitbit app and log that I had a donut or five? <laughs> Not really, but more than I would have liked. No. Do I, do I really want to see that number go over my caloric intake for the day? No. Is it in the end of the world anymore? Like it used to be not at all because it's information. I'm managing what I measure. So two weeks from now, if my, my weight loss is off as an example, I can go, Oh, well, there were like five days like that where I was way over my calories. Right. So being able to detach my worth from the measurement is so freeing and confidence building and peaceful. You know, I would encourage people to look at that. So do you work with clients in like a one-on-one capacity? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and just more of like the human, I guess I didn't ask you a ton on yours. I see a little, I mean, when I was a guest on yours, cause I wasn't, I was supposed to be the guest. So yeah, you were, you so were good you too. Do, you work with people <laughs> on basically like a human project, like whether mm-hmm. it's, Whatever that is that, that, but getting them right. Right. Yeah. Uh, There, there are kind of two parts to it. You know, um, human projects always begin with a vision. You know, what is it that you imagine at a future point in time, whatever that is, whether it's owning a home or losing weight or doing a triathlon or whatever it is, what do you envision? And then how do we create a path that gets you there? Inevitably there is a conversation around, well, how do you feel about that? And, oh, you're coming up against a roadblock. Let's talk a little bit about that. 
And inevitably there's a fear conversation and, and it's in the process of achieving the human project that we uncover so much that a person wants to grow in themselves and move forward. It's really kind of extraordinary. I love, love, love watching it happen. So that's really cool. Um, and you just kind of take, it's all walks of life, right? I'm sorry. It's all walks of life you work with, right? People trying. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, early professionals, seasoned professionals, non-professionals, men, women. Um, I don't work with children. I don't work with folks under 18. I don't feel that that's really my, my sweet spot, but um, anyone, anyone. I used to, I used to work with, I wouldn't say a lot, but uh, a number of, of uh, kids under 18 for nutrition. And uh, I don't do that anymore. Um, that would be hard it's very, very, very delicate balance to mm-hmm. know when to push and pull. And, um, and you, I just don't want to be that guy that because I'm going off the information they're giving and they seem to be doing well and I'm pushing them harder and we're getting them try that it flips over to an obsession. Like, you know, it creates yeah. this negative relationship with food and dieting. And even if I'm trying to do it right, they're so young. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and there are even boundaries with adults. You know, I, I had a client once who we, we crossed into some, some topics that I just simply had to say, you know what, I think we're at a place where you need a, a, a therapist that can work you through some of the stuff. I'm not qualified to, to work you through this. And I have no beef saying that whatsoever. I have no beef referring people to other experts who can help them navigate things that I'm not prepared to navigate them through. I think that's really important. And I think it's a really responsible thing for anyone who's doing any kind of one-on-one work coaching or what have you to know their own capabilities and boundaries and be able to refer people to other folks if it's needed. Yeah. I have zero qualms about saying like, because, you know, nutrition and fitness is just the vehicle to, for these people to find, I mean, they don't know that, right. They think they just want to get in shape, but my message along the way with a client is like, Hey, this is, this is the vehicle. This, if we do this right, these physical amazing results you're going to get, which Mm -hmm. if you put in the work, you'll get sometimes Mm -hmm. quickly, sometimes slowly, but they'll always materialize. will literally be the icing on the cake. Like the cake will be built with, you're so proud of yourself. You built more habits, you built consistency, you Mm -hmm. feel healthier, you're alive, you're vibrant, you're playing with your kids. You, um, you, you realize you can do hard shit and you kept going. And like when you fell down, you got back up and there's so many lessons that will, this isn't just like the the weight loss or the body change is just like, ah, like that's a really cool add on. Um, Mm -hmm. and so real quick, you said something on there, uh, on your Instagram about what if I told you there was a way to manage your worry and and you did a podcast Mm -hmm. about that. Um, Mm -hmm. it's probably, you did a whole podcast on it. So I'm asking you like sum it up in two minutes, but, um, we'll list, uh, the encourage project in the, uh, in the show notes for you guys, uh, the, the link to her podcast, which, uh, um, I was blessed to be a guest in and she is a very good podcaster. So, um, but I guess, you know, people, if you want to listen to the full version, you guys go listen to that. Um, but what, what was kind of the thesis of that? So worry is, is what companies and, and, and project management calls risk. And risk, a risk assessment, is looking at what are the possible outcomes of what I'm going to undertake. And each of those possible outcomes, um, I want to design a response to. And if you think about it, 
Worry is exactly the same thing. And we can manage worry by taking worry out of our head and putting it on a piece of paper, listing it, each one of them, and looking at it objectively saying, okay, if this thing that I'm worrying about actually happens, what will I do? Will I accept it? Will I take an action? What will I do? And if you do that for each of the worries that are in your mind about a particular project or a particular endeavor, what you've done is you've done two things. You've gotten it out of your brain onto a piece of paper. So you freed up capacity in your brain to think about and invest in other things. And also you've put them down on a piece of paper that says, hey, if this actually happens, I already have a plan that I kind of thought about that gives me a little bit of peace if it were to happen. So when I started the Encourage Project, when I left corporate America, and I was very comfortable in my corporate gig, (laughs) it was kind of scary. I sat down and I made the list of all the things that could happen in, in going out on my own. And a couple of them actually came true. And because I had spent time thinking about what I would do if this occurred versus just spinning on the what what if it happens, right? It's not only what is it get what will what is it and what am I worrying about, but what will I do if it happens? I was that much farther along when those things came up and I took action. And it's 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 really very helpful. Now, does it keep you from worrying? No. It just gives you a way to put some space between you and the worry and make it a little more objective. Mm. I like that a lot. So true. I've never thought about it like that. That that's that's the risk management, right? Mm-hmm. It's risk management. That's what it is. Wow, that's really cool. How you kind of unveil all that? I really, really, really like that. Um, Thanks. You know, I guess. You, you gave a disclaimer, which I just really appreciate when you said, you know, I've gained 20 pounds back. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? If you don't mind sharing, like, was it you just like, kind what of did slip, I eat? Well, it's like <laughs> slipping slowly on habits? Was it kind of a screw up moment? Was it like, you know, no. it started with alcohol. Okay. I, I, most of my life. So in an early part of my life, I started playing music professionally when I was 15 and I was a professional musician until I was in my late 20s. And at that point in my life, I I saw a lot of stuff, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of stuff. And I just chose not to do that. And so most of my adult life, I've never been a heavy drinker. Like I might have a glass of wine once in a while. No big deal, right? Well, in this COVID climate, um, I, I live alone and work from home already. So that wasn't a big change for me. What was a big change for me was then becoming completely isolated from family and from friends and that kind of thing and not being able to see people. And it it was really, really hard. And so I started drinking, not heavily, but I started drinking regularly. And then drinking regularly added calories that I wasn't consuming, right? And then that would lead to lapses in judgment around food, right? And then that would lead to, oh, well, ah, that's fine. I'll pick it up tomorrow the procrastination, right? And um, then I, through a series of events last year, I, <laughs> I broke off an, an engagement. Um, two months later, I started the Encourage Project. Two months later, my mom's partner, Bob, died. Uh, two months later, my grandmother fell and broke her hip and her arm. I mean, wow. this last year sucked for so many reasons on top of COVID. <laughs> that being by myself with alcohol and food was not a really good thing. And some of the habits that I had really worked hard to put in place to protect myself or to soothe myself in those situations just fell to the wayside. 
And before I knew it, I'd gained weight. And it wasn't, and here's the beautiful thing about it. When I woke up, so to speak, probably honestly woke up probably a month and a half ago, two months ago and said, okay, I'm done. I don't need these things anymore to make me feel good. I've put, I've put things back in place that I know nourish me and fulfill me like my gratitude and my morning routines and and activity and those kinds of things. The best thing for me in getting back on track was giving myself grace. It was saying, Hey, you, you did the best you could in the circumstance. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. People could argue. I don't really care. It's not theirs to argue. It was my experience. Right. But giving myself grace to say, okay, all right, we need to get this weight off. And you've done it before, you know, the tools, it's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's not difficult. I mean, like complicated, it can be hard. It's not complicated. Do these things, get back on track and let's go. And the beautiful thing about that was five years ago, if I had gained 20 pounds, it would have been the end of the world. I mean, I would have been crying and carrying on, oh, I'm worthless and whatever. And that's just not the case. My worth is not defined by the number on the scale. So, okay, we're going to get rid of these 20 pounds and get back with it. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. I really appreciate you sharing that. I just think it's so important. You know, it's uh, sometimes when you hear just only the success side of a huge weight loss transformation or business mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. so important to remember the human element of this. Like, you know, when I share on my Instagram story that I, you know, having some bad anxiety, not today, uh, yeah. but that's not it used to be every day for me mm-hmm. something is trying to tell me something and i'm kind of figuring it out mm-hmm. besides how many people are like oh thanks for sharing they're showing you're human i'm like oh like you know so as a leader and you're coaching other people i find mm-hmm. that i think so many coaches get afraid like it'll like just sharing your like we're all in the mud together and we're all just yeah. trying to walk home together like yeah we're all like and i just appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that because that's how it happens it's like and i've talked mm-hmm. about with alcohol it's really it's it's the it's the causation of alcohol right it's like drink mm-hmm. yes you get more calories you get a little bit tipsy then all of a sudden it's like i'll just get some doordash burrito that's right where if you weren't tipsy or a little bit buzzed or slightly drunk, you'd probably say no. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the inhibition. And then you eat, eat more food. Then you feel like crap. And then you don't get a night's sleep. Then you feel kind of crappy in the morning. In the morning, so you skip your workout. It's just like this domino effect that I tell mm-hmm. people. It's not that I think, you know, it, it's that it starts to compound these things. And so I just really appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that sure. because we are, we are, this is so like, and guess what you did? You gave yourself grace. And on the flip side of that yeah. coin, you deploy what I talk about, like give yourself enough grace t- to get then gritty, like get gritty and start yeah. doing the work. Absolutely. Not letting Absolutely. yourself off the hook, but giving yourself grace. And they look two different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between accountability and self-flagellation. You know, there really is. Um, and I really believe if, if I hadn't done the work on myself and my spirit and my connectedness to my worth, I might not have pulled out of the spin, so to speak. Right. Yep. If I hadn't learned about grace, if I hadn't learned about gratitude, if I hadn't learned about mindset, if I hadn't learned about, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to begin again in a different place. I might still be, you know, gaining weight. It can happen. So I, I, it's incredibly important when people are taking on any massive human project 
to do the mind work that goes with it, not just the tactical work to get to the goal. But it re- those kinds of projects require us to grow in ways that we never could have expected. Uh-huh. And it's really important to remember that it's not just those tasks. It's the growth of ourself that, that is required for those to ultimately be successful over time. And because you've done those things for so long, it's you were able to shift and go, mm-hmm. oh, I need to get back deep. Same reason why I figured out having some anxiety lately. There's there's definitely some opposition as I move into bigger and better things in my life. And I always feel that. But I also yes. was like, oh, you've been slipping on, you know, your morning routine, which you're so big on. Been getting a little yeah. lackadaisical on the things I do at night. You know, they, there's these little themes and I can, and luckily because I've done the work for, I could recognize that I'm like, okay, I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. the sole reason, but I think if I get back to these things, I'm going to feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are investments in feeling good. That's yes. how I look at it. I'm investing in feeling good about me <sighs> and it's purely selfish and I'm okay with it being purely selfish. I went camping a couple of weekends ago with a friend. I'm like, here's the deal, dude. I do this thing in the morning. I journal, I do gratitude, I meditate, I read, go find something to do. That's a non-negotiable, yeah. <laughs> right? And so that I those investments in me are are selfishly motivated and I'm okay with that. Well, because and I, I wish more people w- were okay with it, with being selfish with that. I'm a, it's okay. I'm, you know, I interviewed someone recently. He was like, hey, if you want something bad enough, you got to let other people know that you're going to be selfish about it. And the way she said it was way better than that. But it's true. You know, hey, I'm working to lose weight. So I'm going to decline this particular restaurant because there's a restaurant here in Fayetteville that I love. And for a while, I'm going to decline it because I'm not feeling comfortable enough that I can go in there and make good choices. So I, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm not going to eat there for a few weeks. We're good. And as long as I've announced it and protected myself and given myself grace and gotten a plan, it's been great. No one bugs me. It's all good. You know, be selfish with those investments. Exactly. If I wasn't super myopically selfish on my recovery, the guy was like, nope, nope. I remember I was dating a girl and she was like, do you have to go to the stupid meetings? I'm like, we're done. You're done. (laughs) Like, I mean, it wasn't the, it wasn't the only thing, but I was like, yes, no, no, no. You're not going to tell me like, why don't you just come over? You have to, I'm like, no, no. If you want me to show up for you in the way Mm -hmm. I do, this is part Mm -hmm. of the game. And so it's interesting. Like, it's like, I tell people, Tell my clients, it's okay to be like these things you're being incredibly selfish on, on the back end of that, when you do these things, you probably show up better for your kids, for your husband, for your friends. Mm -hmm. So really it's being selfishly investing in you. So ultimately in the end, you generally show up better for other people, which is a win-win for everybody. So absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much. What a great interview. Great change of pace from the guests we've had. I loved everything you've shared. Um, where can people find more about you, the encourage project, um, website, podcast, Instagram, shout it all out and we'll list everything in the show notes for you guys as well. Awesome. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I've so enjoyed this. Um, and you can find me and the encourage project at the encourage project.com. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore encourage underscore project. And you can find me on LinkedIn and you can always just send me an email. Hello at the encourage project.com. I love hearing from people. So thank you so much. Amazing. For having me. You guys fun. give her a follow. 
check out our podcast. Great. Po- check out whatever episode I was on for sure. I'm just kidding. It was actually <laughs> one of my favorite interviews I've done. And I said that when I shouted out okay. and I meant that. I meant that. No disrespect to anybody Thank else. You. But that was uh, the way you guided it and led it. I really was one of my, my favorite conversations, which obviously is why I was like, okay, she needs to come on this because it impressed me a lot. So thank you so thank much you. for your time. Blessed to call you a friend. And uh, you guys check her out um, and show her some key nutrition love. So thanks for coming on, Amy. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It's Brad here. Just wanted to thank you so much for listening. We couldn't be any more grateful that you took the time out of your day to listen to us. We hope we provided value. If we did, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and share this with your friends.